This is Shinji Kagawa, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. I'm your host Stefan Butzko for this very special show and I'm joined by Matthias Zug. Hello Matthias. Hello Stefan, how are you? I am very well, well rested after yeah a couple of days off after this very long season. So this is why we uh, took another week to produce this show. But nevertheless, here we are and also with us to uh, give out these most pristine awards is Lars Polman. Hello Lars. Hello, Stefan. How are you? I am melting away, but otherwise I'm fine. Yeah, it's the uh, hot German summer at the moment. Uh, <laughs> a hot five days for Lars and the rest of us. Um, nevertheless, uh, I guess we can proceed with, with the awards. But before we do that, I, of course, have to uh, yeah do our little Patreon commercial break, reminding everyone that you can support our podcast financially on patreon.com slash the yellow war which is pretty awesome if you do that and thanks to everyone who's already doing so and just a frequent reminder that you can purchase collector's mugs you get in the stadium there for i think 15 quid and right now we have uh, mugs with dembele batra and uh, dfb cup final mug on offer so yeah if if you want to get your hold uh, your hands on that Go ahead. And uh, yeah, without any further ado, I guess we'll start with the awards. And we have a couple of categories <laughs> prepared because thanks to everyone uh, who pitched in, we got yeah about 35 or 40 categories. And I guess we will start with the team awards. And that is topped, of course, by the game of the year. And Lars, you go first. What was your game of the year? So with this one, uh, since we have a few other categories, it, this wasn't about the best performance of the team or the highest quality of the game. Just, you know, exactly. I, it's, it's how I took it anyway. And so I went for the fun factor and that was the final Bundesliga match of the season, the 4-3, I think, a home win against Bremen on match day 34 just had everything, drama, uh, excitement, a few defensive errors of both teams, a few cracking goals. So uh, that one, to me, was the probably the most fun game of the season to watch. Yeah, I have that written down as well. So, Matthias, I hope <laughs> this won't be like complete agreement on this show for once. Uh, no, I'm going to have to go with the cup semifinal victory against Bayern. Um, again, Bayern, obviously, it, it was dramatic. Dortmund showed some resilience. And at the end of the day... You know, Bayern fans will say we didn't win deservedly, but I think Dortmund did because, you know, you use your chances, you score goals, you win, you deserve it. So that for me was really, really big also just from a psychological standpoint. 
Yeah, obviously. I, I mean, that's the second choice I've written down in case I needed one, but I had a feeling you would go for that one. So, <laughs> Matthias, team performance, uh, as Lars already said, uh, game of the year goes by fun factor, but now, um, we have the question by Ed Vintage Socrates, and he wants to know which we thought in which game Dortmund had the very best team performance. You know, I'm going to have to go with, uh, the, First leg against Monaco. Um, for, for reasons beyond just the play, Dortmund could have, should have won. You know, we'll, we'll put that out there. Uh, there were some bad, bad refereeing decisions that didn't help, but it was just the performance after almost being murdered and still going out there and putting on a good display, showing solidarity together with fans, um, from both teams. That's why I'm going more sentimental there. So I'm going to have to go with that match. Lars, is it also what you had written down? No, it wasn't. Um, I'm, I, I have a tie between the 4-0 win over Benfica and the second leg of the Champions League round of, what was it, 16? Uh, even though the first half of that game wasn't too great, but uh, the second half was absolutely fantastic. And my uh, the other half of the tie is the... 3-0 away win at Freiburg. Uh, not the most high-profile match or anything, but just in terms of performance, I think that was arguably their best away match of the season in the Bundesliga. Uh, having said that, there weren't too many to choose from in that regard. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, there were basically a handful of matches to choose from. Yeah, I I had the final written down uh, too against Benfica because that was a very... Uh, Good performance, even though I, I think performance wise, the, the first leg in Benfica was even better, even though Dortmund uh, did not have the scoring output. But I will go on to a different direction here. And it was for me the uh, 1-0 win over Bayern Munich in the Hinrunde because uh, Dortmund, yeah, had a very, very solid game defensively there. Uh, I don't think they allowed any real chances to Bayern. I mean, one player hit the post or the bar, I think it was Alonso, so with a shot from range, but otherwise Dortmund managed to nullify, nullify Bayern's attack completely, and that to me was very impressive. Um, yeah, I also had 1-0 win against Leipzig down, but I think that doesn't live really up to uh, the Bayern win because Leipzig were basically injured for that game, so this one it is for me. So, team goal of the season. Uh, yeah, there were 119 goals to choose from. <laughs> so, uh, minus actually Dembele scoring against Monaco. That was the, uh, the first goal they scored, I think, um, where Guerrero plays a cross into the box. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has an awesome back heel. I don't even know how to, how to call it. Back heel assist where he, uh, yeah, Plays the ball mid-air back heel volley. Let's put it this way and finds Kagawa, who then squares the ball off to Dembele and he has a tap in. To me, that was one of the best team goals. I'm sure there are many other options out there. Lars, I'm going back to the home match against Bremen. Aubameyang's first goal. Um, Kagawa keeping the ball against two defenders, if I'm not mistaken, playing to Dembele and him lobbing the ball, the ball over, you know, seven or eight defenders and then Aubameyang absolutely smashing it volley 
I mean, uh, probably one of the the beaut- more beautiful goals Dortmund have scored in the last five or six years, not just this season. So I'm I'm picking that one. But as you said, there were 119. I think uh, I I think we are all bound to forget about a few crackers in there. So uh, I think everybody will probably have a different one in mind. Matthias. <laughs> Ironically, it's 119 to choose from, and we're picking from 100. You know, we picked two. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Las on that one. That was just maybe it's because it was the last uh, Bundesliga match of the season, but it just stood out and it, it got me out of my seat when it happened. And when a goal gets scored that gets you out of your seat, it's it's pretty special. Yeah, too bad. Twenty five thousand people have to stand <laughs> who don't have that feeling. Oh well, I guess I guess we can move on to worst slash funniest goal conceded a category suggested by Lewis Ambrose. I will go first on that one because I, you know, there there are a couple of goals I guess to choose from, but to me it was the one nil of uh, Darmstadt, which Terence Boyd, former BVB two striker, scored. Where uh, yeah, there was absolute mayhem and yeah, headless chicken defending. In Dortmund's box, and there were even, I think, five or six Dortmund players in the box when the goal happened. Yet Terence Boyd somehow, uh, yeah, got to the ball and had a very easy tap in. Last yours. Well, I struggled with this category. Um, I, I at first I didn't pick one. I, I just wrote down uh, it was probably conceded by Roman Weidenfeller. And uh, thinking about it a bit more. I think the one he conceded against Hoffenheim where he rushed out of his goal completely unnecessarily. And I think Mark Uth wasn't really chipped him, but, you know, scored from, from relatively far out. I think that was the, the one that sticks, uh, in, in my memory. But again, I'm sure there were many, many to choose from because defensively this season, uh, there, there were some, uh, rather poor moments, especially in the second half of the first half of the season, I think. Yeah, I actually didn't add up how many goals Dortmund conceded throughout the entire season. Matthias, do you have the number? And if not, at least one of the funniest goals Dortmund conceded. Well, I don't have the number in front of me. I uh, didn't didn't do that high level of math. Don't have that many fingers. Um, I would say worst goal to concede, even though some of the goals were nice goals, but conceding still relatively many against uh, Legia, Warsaw. Uh, that wasn't good. There's a team that you shouldn't be conceding against. I'm sorry. Tell that to Real Madrid, though. Well, okay, but still, no. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think there are a couple of teams we could name that you should not concede against, however it happened. <laughs> um, yeah, so with the uh, worst, funniest goal out of the way and the team goal, um, celebration of the season, and I guess goal celebration of the season, Matthias. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this, it's like there are three or four categories on here that I just literally couldn't care about. And this is, this is one in general, celebrating with your team, being happy is cool. Um, I, I don't really care. I don't really pay attention. Fine. <laughs> I'd be fine. If you want a celebration of it, it was, um, uh, you know, winning the, the cup with my son. That was the celebration of the season for me. Ah, yeah, it counts. <laughs> Lars, yeah, I, did I you also celebrate with your son? <laughs> uh, 
I don't have a son and I didn't really celebrate the win because of the whole Tuchel situation. Um, I, I didn't really pick a goal celebration per se because, uh, like many people, I think I don't really like choreographed goal celebrations. I like when they just don't really know what to do out of joy. Like, uh, when Julian Weigel scored his, uh, first and so far only professional goal against sporting. But, uh, since I didn't go with the goal, celebration I went with uh, when Aubameyang won the scoring title uh, on the last match day against Bremen and uh, started trying with the trophy in his hand. I think that was uh, one of the more emotional moments of the season. Yeah, that is true because I actually thought of goal celebrations. I will uh, name Felix Paslak and Christian Pulisic completely going mad after uh, scoring the 3-3 equalizer against Ingolstadt or not going mad but really celebrating hard and everyone else <laughs> seemingly first and foremost Thomas Tuchel getting mad because there was still some time to win the game and yeah there was just this very young joy and that that's all and yeah the next category is actually best bromance of the season and uh yeah I guess Paslak and Pulisic is is it to me <laughs> Uh, you know, which also brings me to another gold celebration I really liked of, uh, and that was, I think, I can't, I don't remember if it was Paslak scoring his first goal against Legia or Pulisic. No, it must have been Paslak, but Pulisic celebrated more than Paslak himself, uh, as Paslak scored that header, which <laughs> was, yeah, in a way really cute. Matthias, do you have an idea? Uh, as far as best bromance of the season? Um, I would probably have to go with Dembele and Aubameyang. And you can kind of throw in Guerrero's in there as well, but Dembele and Aubameyang seem to have a lot of chemistry on and off. Um, also because, you know, the joint link with France and so on, but that one was pretty obvious to me. Fair enough. Lars? Nuri Shahin and Marcel Schmelzer, for obvious reasons. <laughs> No, please dwell on it. No, I don't think I really need to elaborate on on that. We talked about uh, Shahin's omission from the cup final squad in the last regular episode, if I'm not mistaken, and you know the reaction of Schmelzer, which I didn't find very captainy, if that's a word. So I'm I'm picking those two guys uh, for the best friendship of the season. Yeah, fair enough, because they had a very uh, they have a very long friendship, also, you know, very far down the road all right that's uh, with the uh, team awards i guess now on to the individual awards and to the first category or subcategory with sub subcategories i guess is on the pitch and the uh, first category of that category is <laughs> player of the season oh god <laughs> i don't I, I still i'm still not 100 sure who to pick so uh matthias while i still think of my pick you go ahead well, I'm going to go with player of the season. We didn't, I don't think I see it anywhere, most improved player. And that's why I'm going to put it in there because a lot no, of... No, we do have a most we do? improved player. We do? Yeah. Where did I yeah. see that? Did I miss that? Yeah, you missed it. I but missed it's it? there. Oh, well, it'll probably be the same person then. I'm going to have to say player of the season for me is Roman Bürki. Uh, just because he proved a lot of critics wrong. He is uh, easily a top five keeper in the Bundesliga. Probably could put him in the top two or three. And, uh, he helped us 
get third place without Roman Bürki. I mean, you can say the goals from Obama Young and stuff like that, but there were plenty of opportunities for the opposition to score. And so Bürki impressed me, uh, played very, very well, could also pass the ball on occasion. Um, so yeah, he's going to be my player of the season. It's a good choice. Lars, do you also have a very good choice for us? Uh, I do because it's the same. I thought I was uh, the clever one here and picked the most consistent player, in my opinion, in Roman Bürki, but Matthias already did. But uh, it, it was between him, uh, Aubameyang, and Dembele, and a, a small shout-out uh, to Socrates, who would have been my choice, uh, let's say, in early March or so, but he tallied off a bit towards the end of the season. All right. In that case, uh, since you both picked Bürki, I will just go for Aubameyang because of that ridiculous number of goals, um, you know, equaling the record of who was it? Matthias, help me quickly. Shoot, I don't remember. Last one to score that many goals. Lothar Emmerich? Lothar Emmerich. Yeah, there you exactly. go. Exactly. There yep. we go, man. Wow. I, I, I had Emma in my, <laughs> in, in front of me, but I wasn't sure if it was actually him or someone else. But yeah, I mean, 31 league goals. Yeah, that's just amazing. I think 40 goals in 46 appearances overall. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the problem with Aubameyang is, of course, that I think there are players who, I don't know, maybe had better seasons overall, but I don't know. To me, that number just sticks out so much. But obviously, you know, for a striker like Aubameyang, who scored a lot of goals from close range, it's, it's, it's more a team award than anything else. So, yeah. I like the Birky shot. I also like the Socrates shot, but nevertheless, I will go for Aubameyang here. Um, individual goal. So next category. Lars, what was your favorite goal? And I, as we said, 119 to choose from. Well, I already picked the, the best goal of the season, uh, the, the Aubameyang volley. And I guess you could also say that was the best individual goal because it wasn't only about the service, but also about the finish. But, Having already picked that, I am going for a tie between Dembele's winner against Bayern in the Cup, mostly for what it meant. Uh, I'm not sure if we can exactly call that an individual goal. I, I mean, he didn't do it all by himself. Uh, and the the other part of the tie is a player who did do it all by himself, and that was Julian Weigel against Sporting. Well, you have to break that tie because I'm uh, keeping a list, and in the end I will add up all the... Uh votes to have the uh yeah award winner here so please choose mr perman no fence sitting here Weigel. all right matthias well for me it can only be one and that is marco royce's goal on his comeback against frankfurt with his heel the one nil what else that was i mean not just that he scored on his return but that he scored like that on his return yeah that was a Great goal and uh, probably in my top five. Um, but uh, yeah, I will simply pick the goal. Lars already talked about Aubameyang against Bremen. That was just an audacious finish. Uh, yeah, if we, if we wanted variety, uh, I would have gone for Socrates against Frankfurt. The stunner from distance, that was also an amazing goal. But I think technique was simply better individually speaking when uh, Aubameyang scored that goal because that was... Also amazing. So with the individual goal out of the way, obviously next category can only be assist. 
and uh, I will go first here and I will name Usman Dembele against RB Leipzig where he, I don't know, passed three or four players with one burst of, of speed. That that was one where I would usually go out of my seat. However, I think I saw that game at the, in the press box, so no standing up there. Um, Matthias, your assist of the season? It's going to be... Uh The goal that we've already mentioned a few times against Bremen, it'll be Dembele's lob to Aubameyang. That was, uh yeah. But, I mean, really, you could pick almost any Dembele assist. They were all really, really nice. Yeah, then we'll we'll ask Lars if he has another Dembele assist for us. I do indeed, and I climbed back up the fence, Stefan. Uh, it's a three-way tie, but it's only between Dembele, Dembele, and Dembele, so it's... I must big. really hurt on that fence, though. <laughs> um, and you you guys already mentioned the first and the second one, so I can go to the third, and that is the uh, was the assist uh, for Christian Pulisic against Sportfreunde Lotte in the Cup. A uh, long 50-yard or so run from Dembele with a... I think it was almost a no-look uh, no pass to Pulisic, who scored the opener in the second half, actually, against uh, the fourth division opponent. So uh, even relatively important goal in the season two. Yeah, great nutmeg, by the way, but we'll come to that category in uh, two categories. Um, yeah, with with all that, I guess we can go to miss of the season. Matthias? <laughs> I can't really think of a specific miss. That was by Obama Young. That was necessarily worse than the other one, uh, because he did have a few hundred uh, percent in your sleep blindfolded score where he missed. So I'm just gonna go with picking Obama Young misc. Uh, miss, not misc. All right, I'm gonna be a little bit more specific than you. I've got Obama Young away to Benfica written down. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, listeners can really uh, pick their miss because there were a couple where he was uh, on goal yet missed. I think there's also a good shot for Aubameyang uh, rushing alone on Neuer. I think there are a couple of good shots for Aubameyang one-on-one against goalkeepers not putting it away. Um, so, yeah, he gets my vote there as well. Lars, and is there any particular no? And my vote too. Uh, I didn't really write one down, but now that I think of it a bit more, I'm taking the penalty against Benfica because that was a rather pathetic effort against uh, Ederson, who now moved to Man City a few weeks ago. Yep, that's that's a good shout, I guess. So with that, we go to Nutmeg of the season, and I guess it's Lars's turn to go first here. Uh, disclaimer, I only remember one, so uh, I'm picking that one, and that was uh, Mario Götze against Mats Hummels in the 1-0 home win over Bayern. I think it was uh, for the assist for Aubameyang too. So that was the only one I remember, and it's still a pretty good one at that, so uh, picking that one. <laughs> yeah, I can only echo that, so Matthias? Yeah, I think it'll be it... unanimous. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Didn't expect anything else. Pass of the year. I mean, yeah, there are, I think... Even more to choose from than uh, <laughs> goals of the year. However, uh, any passes any one of you guys remembers vividly enough to name here? Matthias going first. You know, not individually, but there were quite a number from Kagawa uh, this season that uh, really impressed me, especially in the second half of the season. But I, 
I'm trying to think of a specific one individual one. And since we already named it as an assist, I'm not going to name it as the pass, the one from Dembele. But uh, I can't think of one specifically, so I'm just going to go with Kagawa as a category. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't uh, mess with my list, so I'll, I'll allow that to last. Is there a certain pass you have in mind that that just was too good to be true? Well, I don't know if it's if it was too good to be true, but I'm picking Mark Bartra in the first uh, Bundesliga match against VfL Wolfsburg. He had a few unbelievable build-up passes from the back, and I think he played one 40-50 yards to Aubameyang, who I think didn't score in that situation, but it was so early in the season that uh, we were still amazed at how someone else but Mats Hummels can play those passes from the back for Borussia Dortmund, so uh, picking Mark Bartra here. Yep. I, too, go with Mark Bartra. Same game in Wolfsburg, but it was an assist to Rafael Guerrero, if I'm not mistaken, which was also a pass of about 40 meters. Maybe we're even talking about the same pass. Yeah, I don't now, know. Now that, now that you're mentioning it, it probably was that one, yeah. But yeah, that that was uh, certainly for me one of the passes of the year and one I, I still remember very well. And uh, with with pass of the year, we can go over to save of the year and we stay in that same game because I, to me, Roman Bürki made the save of the year in, in that game and was actually a double save against Julian Draxler who uh, shot on goal from a acute angle and uh, yeah, Bürki basically saved it on the line but it bounced right back in front of Mario Gomez and then he basically tipped the ball with his hand against Gomez and Gomez uh, yeah deflected it back towards Berkey so yeah if you want even a triple save but yeah that that was just on the line twice and that was uh, yeah just an awesome reaction save so that play or that save to me um yeah stood out I mean there were so many great saves by Berkey this season because you know he Got two votes for play of the season. So, yeah, he had to be great. But, uh, yeah, this is the save I remember most. Matthias, is there a save you remember? Uh, until you mentioned that sequence, not really. Um, from, from Buki, I mean, there were quite a few also against Bayern in the cup, uh, where he did really, really well. Um, so I'm kind of tempted to say that is just an individual game. Uh, but an individual save, it's hard to, hard for me to think of anyone better that stands out than the one that you just picked. Well, special mention to Roman Weidenfeller's awesome bicycle kick against, who was it? Legia? Or, or was it Union Berlin? I don't, I don't remember, but yeah, I think it was Legia, but that, yeah, that was awesome. Last save of the season. Shockingly, I'm going with Roman Bürki. uh, and and I didn't actually remember the one you uh, spoke about against Wolfsburg, and obviously I would have picked that one as well. But since I didn't remember it until a minute ago, I'm going with a one-on-one -on -one save against Lewandowski in the cup semi-final uh, at Bayern when it was two-one for them. So uh, the game would presumably have been over at halftime had he not stood his ground against Lewandowski. So uh, for what it meant in the season, I think I'm going with uh, that one-on-one -on -one save. Yeah, that save definitely way more important than the save I I named because yeah, that was a much more important game overall. Um, but yeah, nevertheless, I think there will be another anonymous decision or vote or whatever you you want to call it coming up, and that will be the defensive player of the season. And 
Who else than blank Matthias could it be? Uh, Matthias Ginter, of course. Um, <laughs> no, now seriously. <laughs> Sorry, um, I have to remove the, the uh, <laughs> thing from my list now because I already... <laughs> no, of course, Money Bender off the line with the tip of his boot against uh, Bayern in the cup semifinal. Yeah, Lars, any, any other suggestion here or I will just go on? No, go on. All right, most absurd yellow card. I think Marco Reus versus Hoffenheim, where he got sent off for who against? I don't, I don't even know against who it was, but uh, he made a defensive run and was pulled, and both went down, and Reus got sent off for a foul, which was committed by the Hoffenheim player. Lars, what was for you the most absurd yellow card? Yeah, uh, the same one, and I think it was Nadim Amiri who uh, committed the foul but got the free kick for reasons unbeknownst to anyone who actually watched the match. Um, and But uh, a second shout-out to Aubameyang getting another booking for celebration in a uh, derby against Schalke. Yeah, I guess we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Matthias? I'd say it's unanimous. You don't get more ridiculous of a decision than that one against Hoffenheim. All right, fair enough. And then we have a very special category thanks to Ed Bundespl, and uh, his category is Ginter of the Year. Matthias, what is your Ginter of the Year? Ah, uh, there's so many to choose from. Um, I most of his play in the first half against Frankfurt. In the cup final, uh, still trying to figure out what he was exactly trying. Anytime he played in central midfield, he was pretty, he was even worse. So it, it's hard to say, you know, honestly, I don't want to pick on him, pick on him too much. Um, but there, there were a few questionable moments. Let's call it that. So my Ginter of the year is, uh, him having a very heavy touch in the game away to Hertha Berlin. Uh, which basically was on a silver player. I don't know for, for, for which player, but I remember he just went on to score. And if there was one thing Dortmund did not want to do this season was go behind away to Berlin, because that more or less means you're going to lose that game or at least not win it. And Dortmund, I think, yeah, they, they went on to lose two to one. And that basically was the worst start imaginable. Also very early in the game, I think six minutes or so. So that was my Ginter of the Year, Lars. See, I didn't uh, understand the category and uh, I don't like that we harp on Ginter so much all the time because actually I think he improved a lot in the second half of the season and was a solid player towards the end of the campaign. So um, I'm abstaining my vote here. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, worst touch in general, also a category by Ed Bundes PL, who really likes us to get on the players. I'll uh, give a shot to Eric Durm, Lars. Yeah, having said, uh, I'm not going to harp on Ginter. I'm going to harp on uh, Eric Durm, who is the best track and field athlete in Dortmund squad, but should not be close to a full-time starter for a club of Dortmund size. So uh, Eric Durm's first touch is more than abysmal, so he gets my vote here. Okay, Matthias? Yeah, it's going to be unanimous, and I only now saw who the person was who sent in the questions, uh, so I'm not overly surprised. Um, but I will uh, also have to say Eric Duhm, because it's it's bad. You would think at his age, was he now 25? 
that he would get that somehow under control. <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, best analogy I once read was that he has a first touch like a trampoline, and that more or less sums it up. But yeah, we don't want to be too mean because uh, he has some redeeming qualities. Otherwise, he wouldn't play so many games. Um, so yeah, I guess we can move on then to best transfer. And yeah, there are a couple transfers to pick from. How many players did Dortmund sign? Five, right? So... Uh, Matthias? Five, nine. I think nine, nine plus Alexander Isaac in the winter, if I'm not mistaken. So it's either nine ah, or yeah. ten. All right. So five, not quite the number. <laughs> I'm well prepared, as always. Um, so last, take it away. Who for you was the best transfer? Three words. Don Mikel Merino. No, uh, actually it was Usman Dembele. Why? Because he had the most uh, instant impact. He is probably the most exciting player Dortmund have signed in the last few years. Uh, a future Ballon d'Or winner uh, if he starts to score a few more goals because he's going to have to beat out Kylian Mbappé for it, uh, I, I imagine. But um, just for the impact he had in his first year at this level, I think uh, Dembele is a slam dunk choice. Okay, Matthias, any other choices? Well, I would say had Injuries not kind of gotten in the way, I would have said Guerrero, also because he surprised me how well he could play centrally. Um, you know, with Dembele, the problem is he he's not very good if he has to work defensively. But you have to go with Usman Dembele. I mean, to have a kid his age who's never competed at this high of a level to play that brilliantly, especially someone who was dubbed just a YouTube player by some people, I gotta have to go with Usman. Man, you can really hold a grudge, can't you? <laughs> well, it's the most lazy, stupid thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at, at, at least he's a, he's a YouTube player and not a Vine player uh, like Paul Pogba. There you go. So, yeah, I guess uh, I'll make the Dembele trifecta complete. Although, you know, close second to me is Mark Bartra, 8 million, and uh, turned out to be a really good centre-back at the end of the season. But overall, I think, yeah, we can all agree on Usman Dembele for just the immense impact he had throughout the entire season, especially in these uh, games toward the end of the season, especially in, in the cup season where he made most of the difference, I think, um, so, yeah, that is the shot for best transfer. Now we go over to worst transfer of the season. And uh, I'll go ahead and piss off Lars. <laughs> and we'll name Mikel Merino now. Because I think he had the least impact of all. Although I think there's some debate to be had. So, yeah, Merino gets my choice. Although I really, really like him. And I think he was just in an unfortunate situation, really. Not to blame that much, but uh, I'm sure there are other very good candidates for that category as well. So, Lars, you can fight right back now. The user has disconnected. No, um, I'm going with Sebastian Rode. Uh, I think uh, he and Andre... I, I mean, I'm not considering Merino here just because he didn't get any opportunity to show, uh, to show his worth and he was a transfer towards the future. Whereas, well, if we, if whereas we, if signing we that. signing Rode for twelve million and Schöler for thirty million, you you have higher expectations in year one. So I think uh, I, I guess you can tackle the the 
a category from a few different angles. But what I did was look at value for money. And uh, I think even though Schuller was far more expensive, he had at least a few uh, important contributions to Dortmund season. I mean, he uh, had two assists in a win against Mainz on the first match day of the season. He scored the important equalizer against Real Madrid uh, in the Champions League and uh, I think the opener in a 2-1 win over Bremen when Aubameyang was on uh, FCON duty. So Schürrle contributed at least a little, whereas uh, Rode, whenever he came on, uh, something went terribly wrong for Dortmund. And for the life of me, I don't really understand what uh, the plan was for Rode, for Rode what, what role he was going to play for Dortmund this season because uh, it didn't seem like uh, he had any uh, particular one uh, for Thomas Tuchel. Well, you convinced me, so I will change my vote to Rode too because overall you made more sense there. Um, although he scored that back heel against Darmstadt, <laughs> which, you know, Almost worth it, Matthias. Um, well, I mean, I had originally also thought Marino, but again, I think the only reason why he didn't play is because for some reason Tuchel didn't like him. Um, so I'll kind of exclude him from that. I'm not going to say Rode because, um, in the first half of the season, he actually had some decent performances. I think 12 million euros is not an exorbitant amount in today's world. Uh, especially for a player coming from a club like Bayern. Uh, so I'm, I'm not going to say that necessarily. Did he fit the system totally? I don't know. I kind of put him in the category of Gonzalo Castro. There, there are good moments. There are bad moments. There are questionable moments. For me, the worst transfer just has to be Schuller simply because for, to be the record signing for Dortmund, it can't be Schuller. I'm sorry. I I like him. I, he works really hard. I think his end product is bad, to say the least. And to pay that kind of money for him, I mean, I, I just, yeah, he was derailed also with injuries, and that's not his fault. It has nothing to do with the transfer, but I just think the outlay financially for who you're getting, where he is, and his age in his career, to me, worst transfer, hands down. All right. I mean, yeah, if we if we tackle this from a financial angle, I don't think there's any way around Andre Schuller. If if we consider that 30 million, then yep, boom, it's Schuller. So, there we go. But uh yeah, enough of all that uh negativity here and the next category is best return to form. And I will go first and I don't I don't think there are too many candidates because Shinji Kagawa just had such a miraculously recover throughout the season and uh yeah that deserves to be mentioned with an yeah accolade here with an award Shinji Kagawa very well done I thought there was a there was a time this year where I thought you know his career at Dortmund was over and that he more or less will wait out and yeah basically look for a new club and now I think in the next weeks we will hear that he extends his contract and yeah Hopes to continue on that form. Lars, who's your, yeah, best, best return to form? I, I think there are a couple of other candidates we can choose from to be exact. Yeah. I think the obvious one would probably be Marco Reus after one of his many injuries, but I took a different approach and selected Mark Bartra uh, because he had a pretty decent start at Dortmund, then a terrible 
autumn 2016 lost his starting spot to Matthias Ginter for large stretches of that uh, portion of the season, but uh, came back and was arguably the best uh, player for a while uh, early in 2017 until the uh, attack on the bus happened and he was out of action for a month. So uh, I think the trajectory of Mark Bartra this season was uh, pretty, pretty unique and I just wanted to give him a shout out here. No, I mean, he was the second player I had written down and then Marco Royce. So, Matthias, who's, who's it going to be for you? Well, you guys picked everybody that I was going to pick. Um, I first thought, oh, Kagawa, that's too obvious. Let's go Bartra. Oh, I guess he was too obvious. So I'm actually going to go with my player of the year, and that was Roman Bürki because he was fantastic at Freiburg. His first season at Dortmund was mixed. And this season he was fantastic. So I'm going to go with Roman Bürki. All right. <laughs> the next category is the best team ninja. Uh, this category was suggested by Ed. What to learn now? And uh, yeah, he wrote in brackets park. So I assume it's the player that uh, yeah, had the least impact or so. So yeah, nicely, nicely formulated there. So is anyone going with park last? Yep. Matthias, Marino, it's not his fault. So. <laughs> uh, it has doesn't, to be, it uh, doesn't even make sense to, to pick him when Parks in the in the team. Uh, yeah, and, and, he played some games and he even yeah. uh, uh, initiated uh, an equalizer against Hertha, for example, and uh, had a few other moments. So I was just saying that to piss you off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it has to be Parks, just because I forgot he was still in the club. You know, with who I have this uh, uh, phenomena very often, it's not Park, it's actually Schürrle. To me, you know, there are just too many times where I think that he just doesn't exist. And uh, yeah, I think some people also sometimes forget that Mario Götze is actually at the club. But yeah. But Park, but the, the funny thing is Park isn't even injured all the time. He's just not yeah. good enough to uh, even uh, get invited to the stadium to watch the games. <laughs> and wasn't this someone so that... That brought, was brought in on Tuchel's behest. Yeah, they they needed a, another fullback after the extent of Eric Dorm's injury was discovered uh, in 2015, and Park was available. And I mean, he was a decent player for mine, so um, I guess he just not he just isn't good enough for this level. But it's not like he's completely talentless. Uh, so uh, even though he's had little to no impact outside of his first game where he scored and assisted against Krasnodar in the Europa League. Uh, I, I'm not, uh, we shouldn't act like he's completely garbage as a player. Yeah, though his 45 minutes against Ingolstadt probably very they, they They were garbage, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's really harsh on a player who has that little playing time and comes into a team that's completely depleted and then has to do a job for Marcel Schmelzer when the backline, I think it was Ginter and still not very informed Batra. So, yeah, that was all a mess, and I don't want to pin it too much on him. But, of course, individually, that performance wasn't all that great. So, yeah, I'm sorry, Drew Park. I'm still, I'm sure you're still a nice guy, but, uh, yeah, best team ninja of, of this season. So, um, yeah, best individual fight slash argument with opponent is a category suggested by at Odysseus K13. Um, Matthias, anything from the top of your head? Not an individual incident, but pretty much any match with Socrates, because 
He definitely likes to get under the opposition skin, and he does a very good job of that. All right, that's actually the very first shout for Socrates in the entire show. Lars? Yeah, I think this is a lifetime achievement award for Socrates. <laughs> All right. I actually have uh, written down, not Socrates, but I have uh argument with opposition. I have down Tuchel versus Schmidt in Leverkusen, where Schmidt said at the news conference, I think we uh, played very well today. <laughs> and then Tuchel just bursted out and said, oh, you think uh, the team with, I don't know, 36 position and 10 million fouls played played well <laughs> or deserved to win. I don't I don't I don't have it right in front of me, but that I do still remember that interview was was kinda kinda funny to see those two grumpy coaches up there in the end. And uh yeah, that basically also was the uh that started the I don't know, magic Thomas Tuchel twenty foul mark or benchmark or whatever you wanna call it, uh, where then after every game everyone started to look at the false statistic and counted fouls. So, yeah, that was a little episode that happened. So, yeah, I guess the uh, off-the-pitch in brackets media category is now on start. And, yeah, that inter that is interview suggested by, by Ed L. Shock. Lars, any interview you thought was best? Yeah, the interview of Nuri Shahin with Jan Argefjordov, former Frankfurt striker, now doing Norwegian television after the Monaco match. I think the openness with which uh, Shahin talked about his uh, feelings and fears after the attack on the bus, I think that was really quite moving. And, and certainly the, the 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 interview that that I will think of uh, the most uh, during the off season. Funnily enough, I had the same one written down, Matthias. I don't really have any um, over here. Don't get to see a lot of the interviews after after matches with players, so I don't I don't really have one. All right, fair enough. Then uh, quote of the season. Also going to be a bit darker now, I guess, Matthias. Well, now now I'm going to go with what you had actually mentioned the uh, the quote of uh, 21 fouls versus seven fouls from Tuchel versus. Uh, Schmidt, that actually, for me, was a quote of the year just because of the kind of silly debate that came afterwards. And, and when guys like Dadai came out and said, uh, you know, we're playing man football here, you know, buck up. And it's like, you know, whatever. That's, that's a good way of describing we play destructive anti-football. Deal with it. And uh, so I'd have to say for me, on the lighter side of things, uh, knowing what you guys will probably say as a quote of the year, I'll go with that one. Yeah, it's <laughs> as I picked it as the uh, as a fight of the year. I don't know. There were there were many, but you know, to me that, that was just the most hilarious one. So yeah, it's a good quote, Lars. Yeah, also a good quote, but in a much more serious tone. Uh, Socrates also after the Monaco game saying they have to remember uh, we are not animals, uh, speaking about. The UEFA and the rescheduling of the game to only, what was it, 22 and a half hours after the attack on the bus. Yeah, I'm going for that same quote. And uh, yeah, it, it was funny because before the pod, I had no idea which which, cro- which quote to choose. So I asked you and Lars basically suggested that one. And then, yeah, it hit me because I obviously stood there in the mix zone when Socrates said it because those quotes came on ESPN. 
So, um, yeah, that was just, just very harrowing and looking into Socrates' eyes while he said it, you know, just sent basically, uh, something down your spine. It's, it, it, nothing, it's nothing you really want to experience ever, even, you know, not, not only is Socrates experiencing this really, yeah, horrific attack, but, you know, just standing there and, and having to, to listen to it is, is also very, very hard because, you know, you, you obviously have to stand there and remember every word he said. And yeah, then I don't know. That's, that's nothing nice to deal with overall and, uh, nothing that should happen when, uh, yeah, you just want to cover sport, but obviously such is the word. And yeah, it's the quote of the season for me as well, just because it's, yeah, so nicely underscored how terrible the attack was and how terrible the decision was to play on the next day. Um, I still cannot really, yeah, comprehend why they did it. Yeah, of course, the, they, they say that there are regulations and whatnot, but I mean, football matches are postponed for bad weather. And that's all I have to say on that. So yeah, that was the uh, quote of the season. Now, uh, the next category, um, tweet of the year. Matthias, if you have anyone. I, I don't follow, I don't follow athletes on Twitter. Because most of the time they have nothing interesting to say other than promoting their sponsors and canned things. Because it's not like they're tweeting 99% of the time. It's it's uh, a PR agency or something like that, knowing because that's the world I work in and we kind of do that. So um, I, I guess tweet of the year has to be Tuchel's unverified tweet after he got let go, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Lars? Well, one player who is actually worth a follow on Twitter is Rafael Guerrero, uh, who definitely tweets himself because most of it is about his exploits in uh, gaming. <laughs> and uh, But I'm not picking one of those. He, When a journalist from France claimed he was close to moving to Dortmund in May 2016, uh, he said, Ah, d'accord, merci pour l'info. So, uh, oh, oh, thanks for, for letting me know, something like that. And then three weeks later, he did sign with Dortmund. So I, I think that was quite funny. All right. Yeah. Short for Guerrero. Um, you see, I sort of want to pick Lewandowski here, but I don't even know if he tweeted about it, but I think he did. And that was his congratulations, uh, to Pierre Emerick Aubameyang for winning the goal scorers trophy. <laughs> and we all know if he even wrote it himself, but I don't mind. I don't care. Uh, yeah, he, had to do that with gritted teeth because as Lewandowski himself revealed, he was very unhappy with FC Bayern, Carlo Ancelotti and everyone involved that his team did not work hard enough to, uh, yeah, make him the top scorer of the season. And, uh, yeah, apparently that is very, very crippling to him that even his agent had to speak up about it. So, um, yeah, Robert Lewandowski for me gets the tweet of the season to Aubameyang. So, yeah. That, that I, I guess, uh, sums the, the tweetage up. Um, transfer rumor award. Also something that flies around on Twitter, I guess. Matthias? Oh, it can only be one. It's gotta be Super Mario Balotelli. That's the, <laughs> like, the greatest. I mean, they even had a fake, uh, image of him holding a Dortmund shirt. Uh, it's awesome. Awesome. I yeah, mean, there, there are welcome to Dortmund. Yeah. Videos on YouTube. <laughs> So I'm going to have to go with Mario Balotelli. All right. That's also my pick, Lars. Yeah, I I didn't know uh, how the 
question was or, or what the criteria were. So uh, now that you mentioned Balotelli, I'm going with Alexandre Lacazette uh, simply because there are people who actually believe Dortmund could sign him. All right. <laughs> I, I I guess that's a very fair assessment because uh, yeah, Dortmund cannot and will not sign Alexandre Lacazette, especially just considering how much yeah money other clubs have that are bidding for him. And yeah, I personally still believe that Aubameyang will stay in Dortmund this summer. So yeah, it's it's not gonna happen either way, in my book. So yeah, off the pitch miscellaneous category. Um, that is uh, a category suggested by Ed Baumwollhose, and his category is Fire Beast. And of course, greetings over to the Alpha Ohren podcast because you know he is on that show and doing quite a Good job as well. If you want to listen to a German Borussia Dortmund podcast, go to Alpha Ohren. So, Matthias, who is your fire beast? And I don't, I don't know if your son counts this time. <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's honestly, that's hard for me to, to judge. I have no idea. I don't really pay attention to that. So, cause I'm an old man. So I'm just going to move on. All right. Another void here. Lars. Well, the original fire beast is Louis van Gaal, but uh, Dortmund's fire beast has to be Marc Bartra for celebrating every win uh, as if he just won the Champions League for, I think, a second time uh, after winning with Barcelona. So uh, seeing Bartra uh, in front of the yellow wall basically every two weeks is very beautiful. Yeah, Marc Bartra is also who I had written down. So yeah, that's the fifth vote in overall for him. And now we, uh, we move on to the next category and that is, uh, was suggested by Jana and it's most involved vag of the year. Honestly, I have no idea. My girlfriend suggested Jenny Schmelzer. So I'll just go with that. Whatever. <laughs> Ma Matthias. Well, okay. For those people who don't know what wag means, because it's not really something that wife and girlfriend. Exactly. Wife and girlfriend. Historically, I would have said Roman Weidenfeller's wife. Because uh, they even did commercial spots together in Germany. But I would have to say the one that you see the most, not really involved, but you see the most would be Mario Götze's girlfriend. Yeah, I don't, what's her name? Something with Brömmel. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my girlfriend off the off just said she is not involved at all. So, Matthias. I don't know. I don't pay attention to that. Come on. <laughs> Cut me Your some slack sucks, here. Matthias, man. Cut just, me some, I'm a, I'm a be happily, prepared once. <laughs> I'm a happily married man. I don't care what other people's wives and girlfriends do. Give me a break. <laughs> All right. Uh, you will get the break while Lars takes elaborate time to uh, explain his <laughs> vote here. So I didn't really know what to make of involved. Like none of them are involved in anything that I'm, uh, that I, I take any interest in, uh, around the football club and that is the on the pitch happenings. So, uh, the only one I know the name of is Jenny Schmelzer. So I'm going with her. Yeah. So there you have it, Jana, the expert panel of the yellow wall pod named Jenny Schmelzer as the most involved back of the season. So <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, there's another category and that is posted in by Zach Summers and he asks us to vote on the Tuchel reaction of the year. Uh, yeah, I sort of already had mine with the, uh, fight in, in Leverkusen last. What's your Tuchel reaction of the year? 
uh, him laughing about the extra time in the cup semifinal against Bayern. Oh yeah, when the five minutes went up. Yeah, that and 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 a second shot for his interview after the four 0 against Benfica when he learned that Barcelona actually mounted that six one comeback against Paris. That was pretty fun too. Actually, I want I I, I want to make a change to my total reaction of the year because I just remembered and I talked earlier about this with Matthias. It um, was him stepping on the pitch when Dortmund scored the one 0 against. RB Leipzig in turning to the yellow wall and shouting, come on, come on. That was a very cool reaction as well. Um, Matthias? You know, I was originally going to go with the whole Schmidt thing, but already we already covered that. So I'm also going to have to go with his reaction after he found out that Barcelona won. Because that was, that was kind of cool. It was genuine. It was one of the few very genuine moments uh, that you see in sports these days where everything seems to be very prepared and canned. Yeah, I actually uh, haven't seen that reaction because I was in a mixed zone waiting for players. So, yeah, too bad. So, <laughs> I guess now we, we go with uh, the most superficial category of the season, and that is looks. And, yeah, already disclaimer, I have no clue about most of those. So, yeah, let's just let's just get on with it. <laughs> and Lewis Ambrose wants to know which was the haircut of the season last our fashion victim here. You go first. Yeah, go to the man with a growing bald spot on the back of his head. Um, so I, I'm not sure if I'm understanding Lewis correctly because if he says haircut of the season, it has to be a player who got a haircut. So I don't have one of those. Uh, I, the only player I realize has had a haircut in the season is Pierre-Marie Aubameyang because he has something... Uh, cut into the side of his uh, head all the time. So uh, I would pick him, but I'm going to say that Roman Burki has the best hair on the team period. So uh, you figure out who, who the vote actually goes to. <laughs> all right. Yeah, you can you can name Burki. And I, I think that actually decides a very important tie here. Um, Matthias, who do you think has the best haircut? Well, as a man who has a shaved head, <laughs> Peter Bosch doesn't count yet. Oh, dang it. You know. Um, no, I'm going to have to go with, with, uh, Birky. You know, I mean, he's, he's just something to behold. All right. Um, yeah. Hmm. I'm just running down a list of players to, to think of anyone where I think he has good hair, but yeah. I don't know. So I guess I, I'll go with Berkey too, just because I have no idea on my own. So yeah, worst hair cut of the season. Um, that that's that's easy because that's Emre Moore. If there are um Photoshop mustache pictures, <laughs> then, <laughs> then you win it, my boy, Emre Moore. Congrats for the worst haircut of the team. I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna have to say Obama Young at times when it looks like uh, it's just like I don't know why. I mean, most of the time his hair is on point, and then sometimes it just looks like he just woke up and went, "Oh crap!" Um, I, I gotta go work. So I don't. But <laughs> but 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 more. That's a yeah. That's a poor kid. Oh well. So more is your final choice. Sure. All right, Lars? Mario Götze's bus cut at the start of the season was absolutely hideous and made him look uh, at least 10 
kilos heavier than he was at the time. So uh, that's my choice. Mario Götze at the start of the season did not look great. All right. Next category is uh, suggested by Edfinia underscore F, and she wants to vote us on shoe design. Oh, boy. <laughs> Last, since you, uh, y y you just know your shoes. I know it. Yeah, since since you wear shoes, Lars. Um, <laughs> exactly. So uh, when, when I used to play, I always wanted bright red shoes for some reason and uh, didn't really get them uh, because my parents were financially responsible and didn't buy expensive shoes for growing uh, growing boys' feet. So um, nowadays, actually, I like players who wear plain black shoes and I I, I think Socrates does that, so Socrates gets my uh, vote here. All right, because I also don't want to flip-flop around and answer for any longer. Um, I will pick Shinji Kagawa for the same reason as you, because I think he sometimes also plays um, with black shoes, because I think that's that's the irony. You know, everyone has now bright, colorful shoes on uh, in order to stick out. And in the end, uh, it's the players with all black shoes who, who you can recognize the most. So, yeah, that, that's how it is. So, Matthias, go on. Yeah, I'm I'm old school black shoes, three white stripes on the side. So, yeah, whoever wears those gets gets the nod from me. All right, that's I don't I don't really goes. I don't really care, man. I don't I don't look at players' shoes. I just I just genuinely don't care. All right, so um, there is a next category then, and more or less our two last ones, and that's best sponsored masks. And I'm not gonna count these vote votes because uh yeah i added one category there just to just to bitch about it basically best sponsored mark then, obviously has to go then go to pierre emerick Aubameyang. yeah then then go ahead the yeah the floor is yours stefan yeah, th thank you and worst sponsored mask is just Ra yeah rant of the week stefan not me I don't, I, for I'm, the record it's not me it's you i don't know if it's going to be a rant but uh you know it was all really nice You know, when it was Spider-Man and Batman and Robin, you know, that was really cool. And I totally support that. And it's a derby and you couldn't rub it in. However, if you then think it's a good idea to uh, get your sponsor involved and to utilize it as a PR move where you get a booking and, uh, yeah, just, just a very ugly mask as well. I mean, on, on the press stand, I had no idea it was the Master Striker or Super Bowl. I don't even care what it was supposed to be, but it, it looked horrific. And I was just sitting there trying to figure out which Marvel hero it was. And yeah, it apparently wasn't Deadpool. So, um, yeah, I just, I just, I just think it's completely wrong, utterly tasteless and also idiotic to, uh, yeah, try to squeeze out a little bit more money with such a, such a move, uh, especially if you score a goal and then do not win the game. It's, it's, it's even less cool. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a very, very stupid move. And I only kept this category in because I wanted to go on a little rant because, yeah, as much as I like Aubameyang and, and his antics, I didn't really appreciate that. And I, I thought, you know, I don't know. That's, that's just one of the things of everything that is wrong with football nowadays. Had it been just any other mask, I just wouldn't have cared. But, you know, because he had to make it a PR move, you know, that just, I don't know, that just rubbed me the wrong way. So, yeah, there we have it. Last, have you any two cents or do you disagree? Because, you know, in the end, it's also just completely irrelevant. 
Yeah, I think if you don't have any problems with it being a comic book hero, I don't really understand why you would have problems with it being uh, not a real comic book hero, but one they created for a marketing campaign. Either you like him being the extravagant mask-wearing striker in derbies, or you don't, and uh, I don't really have a strong opinion uh, on it either way. All right, which is fair enough. However, I still wanted to get that out there because that annoyed me a little bit. However, we do have a winner now of, uh, yeah, every player and every award uh, that I managed to, to keep track and, and write down, which of course I did very carefully. So, um, the winner is Roman Birki for two reasons, because he was the player of the season twice and also had the best hair. So that really sums it up how, uh, Pro professional uh we are here and he has the best tattoos i'm just hearing from the from the voice of the off so yeah but we it, can stefan it wasn't us deciding on the category so uh it's the the listener's fault or or their victory i guess uh, depends on how you look at things well isn't that the entire theme of the yellow wall pod no comment <laughs> i mean it's sort of the listener's fault that we still exist because they still listen um matthias Are you happy with that choice? Yes. Okay. So I, I am too. Um, I don't know. Is there anything you guys still want to, yeah, say about the season in general? Because uh, I decided not too long ago that we will have a, yeah, let's say more elaborate look back on, on, on the season. And yeah, maybe in the term of a bigger picture next week, because why not? There are some, some uh, tactical developments and whatnot still to be discussed on the show and yeah what we think of the season overall so um yeah we will be back next week of course but matthias if you have a sentiment you want to reveal right now go ahead no no nothing particular i'm i'm looking forward to the next season starting and um you know gutsa being back and eventually royce not being injured and Thankful that Guerrero didn't actually break his ankle. So, yeah, overall, I'm in a good mood. All right, that's good to hear. Lars, are you also in a good mood? And how warm is it in your room by now? Is it Has it gotten any hotter or did it cool off? It is, let me check, it's 29 degrees Celsius, which is like 84 or so Fahrenheit. So with that in mind, I don't have any sentiments left and I just want to get in front of my fan again, Stefan. <laughs> all right then i will let you do it but before you can go back to your fan um you have to tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet they can follow me on twitter at lars polman all right they can uh follow me on twitter at stefan butzko and i will uh yeah make use of my right to uh give the responsibility of the outro to matthias zuk who you can follow at matthias zuk on twitter so matthias go ahead and do your thing Well, thank you. Thank you for letting people know where they can find me. But you can find all of us on Twitter, at Yellow Wall Pod, on Facebook, Yellow Wall Pod. Uh, obviously, just put in yellowwallpod.com, and you can find the website there with a bunch of wonderful articles from wonderful contributors. It's all great. It's all fantastic. And um, beyond that... He's working in PR, remember? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm... I'm I'm well-versed. Uh, beyond that, of course, uh, you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, iCloud. And don't forget to leave a review. So until next time, from all of us, all of you, take care. 
Yeah, you can also find us on iTunes, not only iCloud. I said iTunes. I he said he iTunes. didn't say SoundCloud, though. I thought I did. You said, said iCloud. iCloud. Yeah. iCloud and I. Yeah, okay. Whatever. It was <laughs> good. And you ruined it. Shut up. <laughs> Follow us. I hate you all. Sound tunes <laughs> until next week. <laughs> Goodbye. You know what I'm saying. <laughs>